The intermediate line-off is a language and concept warning for the entire show. The opinions of the guests may not be shared by the opinions of the Intermediate Line podcast. The Intermediate Line is brought to you by NervousWater.com.au. Thomas & Thomas Fly Rods, Shilton Fly Reels and Call & Fly Lines. Powerpole, total boat control. Ketterfly Apparel, from time on the water to you. Beast Brushes, we stay in our lane of experience to improve your experience. I really have trouble understanding technology, mate. It's, uh, here we are. We've got it. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of The Intermediate Line. And I'm here ready to reveal something really big to you guys tonight. I'm here with someone you know as Valtzi, but I know as Banksy. Banksy? This Famous. is the Banksy. Yeah, the mysterious artist known as Banksy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So you're out, mate. So does it feel good? No. No, no, it doesn't. I feel no, no different, actually, Chris. Yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, it's, it's unexciting. I've known I've known about me for ages. Yeah, you know, I can understand yeah. for you guys, and it's probably a poignant time of year for you. Like I, I'm, I remember one of your counselling sessions. You mentioned that Christmas was tough. <laughs> it was Just one of the one first. Of yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a tough time of year for you because you know it, it's it's pretty much a. Um, uh, I'd say a memorial of, of Santa Claus for you. You know, one of life's great betrayals. We found out he wasn't true. Um, and I remember it was, you know, like without letting on the exact date, it was quite late in your life. Um, mm. I think you were about 52 when you found out, which I, you know, <laughs> probably about six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I appreciate the advice you gave me. For, from one of the older blokes who told me what it was like for them at 52, um, it was, uh, it was really great to just have someone of your age to show me the respect to just, uh, you know, let me know what was going on. Uh, yeah. I would have been, I would have been struggling without it. So I appreciate it, mate. So, um, yeah. so what, what's happening at the home this uh, Christmas, mate? You guys having a banquet or something like that starting at 4, 4 p.m. for dinner or something? No, mate, no. No, uh, we've got relatives coming up from down south and we're actually right. heading up to... Grand, up great grandkids, hey? Me? No, I've got kids, mate. No, no great grandkids or... Oh, grandkids. You are useful for 77, you know? Really are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I plan to dominate the earth very soon, you know? Cool. Yeah. Cool, bro. Uh -huh. Sick. Mm. Uh, look, um, okay, let's get into the fly fishing podcast. Uh, <clears throat> the moon's aligned, folks, and uh, me and Volta went fishing. It was great. Yeah. It was, very, it was very photosynthetic. It was a good time. We discussed many of the earth's problems. Um, yeah, 
yeah, yeah, the upcoming disappointment of of a sandalless Christmas being one of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's because yeah. the boomers have been skinned by beast brushes, and uh, now we've got boomer hair. Well, thank <laughs> thank you for stealing some of the houses back for us. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, is ridiculous. Um, so. It'll probably be like we 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 went fishing for Saratoga. Uh, some people would have seen the picture that I that that I put up, um, and uh, you'll probably be perplexed as to why we're fishing from so early when we've said on the podcast so many times in regards to their breeding cycle. But uh, um, you know, as you know, Volts, uh, you know, is a very credible aquaculturist that both of us know that didn't doesn't want to be named on the show. Don't laugh, mate. If he hears this, he's going to be spewing at you. But um, and. Um, uh, but yeah, look, it, it, it was pretty credible, right? You know, for someone who, who watches them every day, you know, to see the way they mm. act and year after year to see what happens. Uh, it was interesting to hear him talk about it, like as being a, a clockwork, you know, like they're, they're, they'll still they'll still hang on to it, you know, into December, but you know, like that that first that first week or you know the first in after that first third, it's like uh, clockwork that it goes. So I was pretty confident. I was pretty keen to fish for him to be honest with you, but I was pretty confident to take his word for it at the same time. Um, but he did, you know, like as you know, he did, did agree about November and, and October being out. That's uh, that's a time that you will definitely impact impact them by fishing for them for sure. Yeah. Well, one of the tip offs was most of the local aquarium shops in in um, in Brisbane have uh, you know five and six centimeters Saratoga swimming around in their tanks, and you know this year's babies. So you know, for them to get to that age, they're, they're not they're not born that big. Uh, they're they're hatched and. And, and you know grown and, and harvested and, and grown some more and uh, make their way to the shop so you know it's a fair it's a fair assumption mm. uh, to support that uh, you know the aquaculture point of view you know so yeah, yeah. So, anyway anyways, yeah. we went we went fishing it was kind of tough eh? really what do we even have to say we went fishing we had a good time you know we caught some um, Saw a, we saw a healthy amount of smaller Saratoga. I saw one with a with a tag in it swimming around. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. That little why would you punch a tag in a fish that small? I mean, I guess it's uh, interesting data, I guess, but the tag was the same, like you know, not not far off what one third of the body length of that fish. It looked abnormal, didn't it? it looked like a big yeah. worm hanging off it. Um, okay, test your memory. What color was it? Uh, it was uh, either uh, a light yellow or white. Okay. Yeah, I what do you think it was? I went with lime green, but um. Oh, interesting, because the, the only yeah, the only tag ones I've caught in there have been pink, um, or yellow. Yeah, right, right. So um, I was talking to someone about that yesterday, and they said, "Was it a pink tag?" I said, "No, it definitely wasn't pink." And um, pink's, pink's tag a toga. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, the they're, um, they're answer tags apparently. They're the they're the steak guys, fish from with steak. Yeah, the yeah. guys who fish fish toga comps with with bait. This is oh, a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> said you say steak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. Very good, Vaults. Very good. Yes. <laughs> you can imagine what our fishing trip would have been like with just that sort of uh, synchronicity going on. Oh man, bad movie quotes are Rob Schneider followed by Will Ferrell followed by, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to go home and Google it when the other one you were talking about. Um, is that Mia? Oh, yeah. Mia Khalifa? Who? Yeah. I so, don't know who that is. Is that the oh, chick off um, that 70s show? Uh, Modern Family. 
There you go, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, good day. Um, you caught it. You caught it. You know, well, the photos up there. It's not terrible size. It's not. You know, there's big ones in there. We, it's not massive, that's for sure. Yeah, dropped a couple. Um, using my my bloody patented leave it there technique, but just to, you know, <laughs> to, to working on it. Um, they call him the dangler. The, <laughs> slow voltsy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but oh, um, it works, man. It gets it done. That's for sure. It's a, it's a it's a great technique. I fish a lot faster, but uh, I fish yeah. fasting lines too. Yeah, you're very patient. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Um, so for me, I just enjoyed being out there. Chris rescued me from a family holiday um, that was uh, going south in a hurry. We got the last decent day of weather. Uh, we went fishing. Good. Um, and, uh, you know, I love being up there. Barombas is a fantastic spot, you know. It's um, dangerous. Dangerous at the moment, eh? A lot of stuff, so. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's a very salient bit of advice, actually. Like, no matter how many times you've been there, you, you just still you still notice stumps that you hadn't noticed before, uh, and it's just too many of them to to remember. You know what I mean? Like, the, when, yeah, the on. water's really got to get to below below you know fifty percent there before you start to see the creek bed. You know, and um, and I've seen it. I've seen it plenty of times, and I still can't remember where it is when the water's high like it is now. It's just you only need to be a meter off, or they need to let if they let a hundred mil of water out overnight for an environmental flow, and you can find a stump that you've gone over the exact line within a millimeter, like the day before, you know, mm -hmm. it, uh, and hit something pretty bad. It's pretty, but pretty dangerous right now, that's for sure. Yeah, you'd be you'd be foolish to go up there um, on the plane, certainly in the trees. Um, you go in a boat for starters. Yeah, you probably wouldn't be up there in a plane. Oh man. These, these dad jokes are coming thick and fast tonight. I tell you, we are on fire, Volts. Wow. We should Speaking we should tag this one at the start of the uh, the podcast website. Yeah, bad bad dad jokes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You got to experience the, uh, the, the serenity of the power pole move too, right? Yeah, this was something, you know, we talk about being on the plane. Um, this power pole move had... Um, had Chris's little whaler up on the plane. Like, it is literally scooting along. It's amazing. Um, but for me, the power was one thing. It was, you know, literally amazing. Um, but the silence of it, you know, turning, um, accelerating, just even under full power, there's no vibration. It is, you really have to have to experience it. And um, I'm pretty confident when I say, like, this style of moto, when it comes to comes to stealth, you know, into the future, if you're looking for some sort of advantage to maximise your results on the water, and, you know, this, this, I'll be surprised if if this isn't a benchmark for, for people to, to aspire to, you know, manufacturers, that is. Um, and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you're going to uh, be able to sneak right up on some fish with it. I was going to say in the short period of time I've had it, sorry, I'll you cut you off, but just on that, that poignant part of the conversation there, um, I, I really believe in the short time I've had it that I've been able to get way closer to fish in salt and fresh. Yeah, right. You know? yeah. It's, uh, it's, I, I should, before, you, before you tell us more about your experience with that, I should point out, I don't, I don't agree with the word silent. Like, I mean, you can, you, if you put your ear to it, you can hear it. You know, like silent to me is like saying, 
waterproof versus uh, water resistant. You know, like if it's waterproof, it can, it, you know, the water will do nothing to it. But if it's water resistant, you know, water will, will break it down or ingress will occur eventually. It's like a, a silent, silent is silent. You know, it's, um, it's, it's incredibly quiet. You know, I guess you could say the turning, the turning you won't you won't hear like you you'll never hear it unless you got your ear against the the gearbox mm-hmm. the um the motor itself that's under the water um you won't hear it at fishing speeds at all even even when like i've had it out of the water uh when we're being min repairs and you've got to put your ear right up against the armature to hear it hear it going uh which is pretty dangerous for that prop mind you i wouldn't want to get close to that props pretty sharp um but you got to get really close to it to, to, to hear it you know and um but yeah, compared to you know brushed motors or even uh, even the newer brushless models, and I'm not going to mention names, like because I've had I've seen them in, in min repairs, like you know like uh, next to each other and stuff, and it's just they're so much louder. They're so so much louder. The power pole is um is incredibly quiet. You know, but mm-hmm. I think silent is a is a word that opens themselves up for criticism. I think there's a YouTube video on on YouTube, ironically. Um, that um that some dude gets on there and bags out about not being silent and i think when they choose to use the word silent it opens them up up opens themselves up for critters like that to just you know uh, see an opportunity to make content for being pricks basically oh, yeah. yeah haters yeah yeah haters do anything mate yeah um, just to justify their point of view or the fact that they don't own one they can't afford one so yeah, yeah. that's that's what um that's what the that's what the um the 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 live scan dudes remind me of just just I don't own one and uh, I, you know I think they're cool but I, I probably don't have intention to get one but I um I just think to myself that um you know people who whinge about live scope are people who can't afford it yeah that's what yeah. it seems like to me yeah yeah that old bloke at the boat ramp he he was blown away by it too he said is that thing even on like what's moving your boat and I said, "There's a little mermaid underneath, She's just like pushing on a transom. You can't see her." <laughs> merman, daddy. Mer- merman, yeah. <laughs> he said, "You know, uh, yeah." What did he say about it? He said it was it was quieter than a nun's queef. And I thought, "Oh my god!" Yeah, it was pretty lowbrow. You know what? I don't like to edit this show, Vault. Yeah, yes. well, you let, well, that's what he said, man. So, <laughs> it's well, if it's a quote, it's okay then. Yeah, this is real. This is real boat ramp chat. You know, and, and the people of Imbal and Barumba, they're a real mixed bag. They're very authentic. But, yeah, um, yeah that's, that's literally the words that escaped from his lips. The uh, the idea of the closed season, uh, you know, I put in that post about the closed season and stuff like that, and it's, um, it's got a lot of feedback and stuff like that as well. But a lot of people don't like it. They don't like being told when and when and when not to fish and stuff. But, I don't know, mate, I just think to myself that um, fishing is a, is, a, is a privilege, not, not a right. And if you think of it like that, it needs looking after i think that place is is such a interesting micro environment of um of an example of of pressure um you know what what it does and it's nothing more than pressure you know you've fished that place for a long time i've fished it for a long time as well i can remember 20 plus years ago like you know it wouldn't be unusual to get five or six fish in a day now it just seems like you're lucky to get one in a day you know and you know it is certainly changed pressure and and users um you know users have done it and and multiple multiple types of users you know um i know we've got to share and it's selfish you know um to to be having these conversations but um 
you know, and, you know, by all means, I, I want to exclude bass fishermen, yellow belly fishermen, <laughs> red claw fishermen, you know. <laughs> well, we, we, can't, we can't do that. Right? Mermaids, I want them all gone, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, can't, we can't do that. But you're right, it is, it is, uh, there's a lot of different users on there and a lot of, it's a great example of what, you know, again, pressure and modern fishing techniques do. You know, I talk about it 20 years ago. There wasn't, I mean, there was spinnerbaits around, but they weren't fishing for toga back then, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's, I mean, the, 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 it spins me out that, like, the fish, an average big fish in there is, like, a mid-70s fish, but there's much larger. It's like it's like they learn. Like, they get to a point a, a point in their life which equate, is almost synonymous with the size of them where they just sort of go, oh, I don't think so, you know. Hales, um, I know you didn't see it, but I know you know I know I saw it. But we were cruising back at one stage, and that that motor is so quiet, as we're saying. I actually went to I stood up the front because I was trying to dodge stumps, which would just appear in front of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I saw a target that I thought there was a, I thought it was a log with like an eight inch diameter. It was I was ready to turn the other way, and then it moved. And I was like, oh holy shit, that thing was a toga. That thing was huge. It was massive. Mm -hmm. It's um. So there's some big animals in there. Uh, I remember last. I think the last tow comp I did was with you, and um, I don't know if you remember, but I remember Jeremy talking about how Fisheries just did a sample net in there, and oh. the largest fish they got was a meter twelve or something. Yeah, I remember it as being a meter ten. Yeah, but yeah, he meter jumped. ten. Yeah, but it was it was definitely you know triple figures, and you know he said it without one inch, like one moment of hesitation. That's you know it wasn't like. You know, he was stretching to come up with it. It was they was certain of the length. Ah, um, oh, well, I mean, you know, fisheries aren't going to go take a photo with the, with their sample net over their shoulder and brag about it. They don't care about the size of it. You know, yeah, it's a fly rod on their shoulders. No, that's what I mean. <laughs> so that's a, that's a real matter of fact reporting of of actual events. Really, at the end of the day, like, like all good tradies, they probably go down to the millimeter, and you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a foreign uh, concept to you, Volts. Yeah, yeah. Captain well, centimeters. Yeah. So what is that in millimeters, mate? What do you got there? Uh, what? But we didn't well, define a length there, dude. <laughs> uh, you like you're like every apprentice I've ever had. How long is it? <laughs> Eleven. No one told you. Mil, something like that, eh? What? Eleven. <laughs> eleven. Oh. Yeah, mate. There's eleven mil to every centimeter. You just you just go ahead and you know make that cubby out the back with your wood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure YouTube will walk you through it, mate. Yeah, yeah. I, I just if I'm gonna build something, I just go ask Bunnings. What do I need to do? A, a combination of Bunnings and watching the block on repeat. Oh yeah, the block's great. Hey, nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yep. anyone can do it. Hey, like you just you just got to have a vision, you know. Do you, money do you get tradesmen around and and ask you want to build a deck and they say yeah it's going to be six weeks ago bro i've watched them on the i do do a deck on a weekend on the block why <laughs> why is it taking six weeks yeah yeah I think you like that and all, all tradies are trying to rip us off mate. every um, single one of them mate yeah, yeah. same mechanics they're always fucking with you you know but that's that's a whole different kettle of fish mate at least you can <laughs> what at least you can watch a tradesman work Mechanics do it in their greasy little monkey shed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and they they you're not allowed past the opening of their garage door, 
You're right. And when they come out with that with that swagger while they're wiping the grease off their hands with that, uh, you know, well, it was this. Once I start talking like that, you know, I'm already taken for a ride. You're done. Fuck. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, it, you're going to be, I'm telling you, Volts, I've told you many times, you're going to be better off learning how to change your own wiper blades, mate. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Love, I, might, I might follow that up, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Friggin' Lutely, yeah. bruh. Friggin' Lutely. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about who we got on tonight, Charles. Yeah, yeah who have we got? We've got uh, a lovely gentleman from, um, from the Northern Territory, in particular the Darwin region. Uh, called Robbie Mills, and um, you might remember him from um, from uh, such things as Australian Idol um, and uh, and so forth. You know, he's been pretty popular, known as Millsy, uh, affectionately. Um, if you don't know who this is, just Google Robert Mills from um, Australian Idol, and, and, you know, he's a bit of a celebrity, but you'll see who he is, but he's an avid fly fisherman as well. Yeah. Yeah, Millsy... Um, uh... What can you say about Millsy? He's he's got a he's Millsy, mate. He, I mean, I mean, for those who know Millsy, that says it all, right? Millsy, he's Millsy. I don't know much about him. You know, I've chatted with him online, but you know, you could you could literally online anyone could be a serial killer, you know. And it's you, you don't know who you're talking to, you're right? Yeah, but he he sounds trustworthy. Sounds legit. Yep. Uh, he, you know, we've got a common mate in in Bates, and yep. um, oh, it's weird. It's funny yeah. you said serial killer and then Bates, like Bates Motel, right? Like Psycho, the movie, right? Didn't even think of that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Funny parallels going on tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you think about, you know, Batesy being a branch manager and, you know, his, oh, his yeah. fun tool being a chainsaw. And then yep. you think Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. You know, and the fact that it was just Halloween. And you um, think he's got to be wearing a mask because no one's face looks like that. Oh, God. Yeah. Is that, I could see it all tying together now. Yeah. Look, I'm no detective, but I reckon this guy, yeah, we should um, we should tread carefully here. Yeah. Um, all right. So essentially, Millsy's, um, uh, you know, a, a Darwinite. Uh, maybe that's not, maybe he's not right in the city. I don't know. But uh, let's just say he's from the, the greater region of Darwin. Yeah. Um, and flies under the radar, you know, like, you know, being a TV celebrity, you know, he probably doesn't really feel the need to post up a lot of fish, but... I'm sure that we're going to get some uh, extract a lot in regards to Darwin out of here. We've spoken to people um, like Glenn Watt and uh, and Ben Carroll on mm-hmm. here in regards to Darwin. Um, uh, Millsy, you know, is a professional on the microphone, of course, but not not on the water. You know, so we're going to just get the uh, the layman's approach. Far from a layman, that's probably not the right way to put it. He's no slouch on the fly rod, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, you can sort of see where we're coming from here, right? We're gonna get the we're gonna get the real deal, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not I, to I, say not to say the other guys weren't the real deal, but you know they're expected to, and as you would expect them to talk about their business and you know what they do within their business. But yeah, Millsy's a wreck fisher in the area. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, where can we find him, mate? You can't. Maybe YouTube. Look up some old Australian idols or something like that. Google. I don't know. Yep. Okay. What about uh, what's his Insta? He's got a. Yeah, I think he does have a, a fishing account. There's not many people that follow him there. Let me go and see yeah. and just get this right. Um, Funny one. Yeah. Uh, just sing it, right? <coughs> no, that's his singing one. Um, 
uh, just underscore neck underscore it 89. Right. 89, ironically, is the amount of votes that he got on Australian Idol that last night and he didn't get through. Ah, there you go. I think he got pushed out by Nolsey. Okay, so just naked. Let's have a look at this guy. Um, funny, funny fact, though, I think um, Milsey was actually the first one to cover What About Me before before Nolsey. Just naked, 89. Oh, yeah, look at the head on it. I've, I've seen this guy. No, no, no. But we... We, uh, we look. We, we don't want to give away too much, mate. You know, we want to. We want to. We want to slow burn this. Was, I'm just saying, man. I was playing Super Mario Brothers the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I um, <laughs> you know what, mate? I was gonna say. You know, I, I was. I, I thought I might be a bit silly by saying it, but for some reason, man, it just reminds me of some plumbing work that I got done. You know. <laughs> anyway. Let's, uh, what do you say? What do you say? We find out a yeah. bit more about the man, the myth, the bloody legend, Millsy. Let's do it. And we're recording. Volti, do you want to introduce yep. the guest? And don't fuck his name up this time, man. Okay. It's not. It's not Martin Witt. Uh, is it? Was it White or Witt? Was it White? I called him Witt so many times. You did, and you did it when you introduced him on the last podcast. Fuck it. Uh, well, anyways, all right. You ready to go? Hell yeah. Sorry, Martin, if this ever gets edited in. But welcome back, listeners, to the intermediate <laughs> <laughs> guest. Our guest is. Robert Mills. How you going, Millsy? Yeah, yeah, good, good, Valti. How are you, mate? Always sensational. And um, say good day to my co-host, Christopher Herbert Adams. <laughs> G'day, Chris. How G'day, are you? mate. What do you What do you think of jam donuts, mate? Jam donuts? Yeah, my family makes them. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah they're nice. Yeah, they're great. Better yeah, than... Just chuck, chuck them in the oven, mate. Be careful of the sauce, though. It can go get down your chin. But... Um, <laughs> It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, they're shitful it's, to eat with a moustache. I'll give you that. I'll give you I was going <laughs> to say you look decked out, mate, for um, for eating hot jam donuts. To me, it's perfect. It looks like a real jam guard you got going on there. <laughs> uh, Millsy, so mate, um, we gave you a bit of a, a um, an introduction in the in the podcast, and uh, sorry, in the intro there, mate. So people have already got an idea. Of, of who you are and what you've done, you know, in the past and stuff. But here we're here tonight to talk about fishing, not your music career. And um, and um, and mate, I want to start off by letting people zone in on exactly where you are. So you're in the you're in the Northern Territory, but to be more specific, in the in the Darwin region, right? Yeah, mate, Darwin, Darwin. Yeah, Northern suburbs, Darwin. Right. Can you give us a brief history of Darwin? We've got about ten minutes. <laughs> No, I'm kidding, mate. <laughs> if you're interested in that, folks, just just use that Google, and uh, you'll find out the GDP and population, and mm. you know, some, some pretty rich history in Darwin. It's a pretty. Uh, or just watch the movie Australia. <laughs> Have you seen that movie, Millsy? Uh, a while ago, yeah. I didn't. Do you think it fits the uh, the narrative of Darwin as you know it as a Darwin local? I reckon that ninety percent of it was filmed in Bowen, or what? 
I believe it was. I've actually been to the pub there where they uh, they got a lot of the uh, Australian, the Australia the movie paraphernalia in there, and a lot of um, photographs where they closed off the town. So you're you're right. A lot of it was in Bowen. They're really clinging onto that there, eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, have you been to Bowen? They don't have a, they don't have a whole lot else. <laughs> they got mangoes and the movie. Yeah. Do you know anyone living in the past in Bowen at the moment? Anyone living in the past? Yeah, like they're you know they're 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 going oh heck yeah I live in Bowen it's amazing, you know it's in that movie Australia with you. Oh, okay, with sorry, I'm, I totally missed that. Nah, nah, okay, don't worry. Yeah, man. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a weirdly phrased question. I was staying with you there for there for a little bit, bolts, but uh, I must admit I'm sort of on Millsy's side there. I was wondering how he was going to answer it. But you yeah. did well, Millsy. Well, you did well played. Well. Just opening the door for you to hang shit on anyone living in Bowen that you might know. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I'm going to take a step back, actually, mate. Do you prefer Millsy or do you prefer Robbie? No, Millsy's fine, mate. Oh, yeah. Right, cool. That was really, uh, really, uh, really poor form of us to assume your identity as Millsy, mate. So I'm glad that you're happy to roll with it. <laughs> Good. Not a, not a problem. No problem. Okay, so look, mate, getting back to, to the location... I've I've never been to Darwin, man. I'd like to. Um, you know, it's been it's been um, a, a town that's been on the forefront of uh, you know my fishing interests from from being such a young kid. You know, runoff barrel, all that sort of stuff, or the Homer Barrow, You know, back in the, the Yonkey days and stuff. But uh, um, it's still very much uh, a Barra town, right? Yeah, uh, it's it's super Barra centric. Um, I reckon. I reckon Waddy spoke about it on his podcast. It's um everyone up here is really, really barra focused, and for good reason. It's good. Like the fishing up here is exceptional for barras. It's um you know once you figure out the tides and all the rest, um where to be when there um you know you could you could you could nearly guarantee fish off the clock. You know, um but yeah, it is it's super barra centric up here. Lots of lots of big uh, Quintrex boats. Lots of um. Lots of hard body trolling, lots of, uh, you know. High-vis? Oh, there's a bit of high-vis. Most people have graduated to really high-vis fishing shirts now. Yep. <laughs> but still lots of beers, lots of tunes, lots of eskies, and, and lots of trolling, so. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty cool, mate. Uh, what's the, what's, uh, are people becoming sun smart in Darwin? I mean, it's the sort of place you'd expect people to be out there in a, in a trucker cap and a wife beater all day, right, and just coming in looking like a lobster. Are they... Uh, are they, is that attitude changing, mate? Yeah, absolutely. It's changing everywhere. There's still plenty of bogans that kick around in the uh, in the singlet and the trucker's cap, but hey, stubbies, and, stubbies and thongs. You said bogan. I didn't say bogan, right? <laughs> I just want to make that clear, listener. That uh, this is how this is how it's seen in Darwin. It's a it's a real stigma. It's a real shame, mate. I just see it as Australian, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, right, well, being a barracentric town, uh, and you know, yeah, you know, being that sort of the picture that you're painting there isn't really lending itself much to um, to fly fishing. Where where does fly fishing fit into this, man? Why would anyone own a fly rod in Darwin? Oh well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. There's per capita bogan up here is really high but there's 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 shit loads of good fly fishing to be had up here obviously it's um yeah well it's not obvious that's what i mean like it's uh you see pictures of darwin it's um you know it's it's uh it it's really looks like dirty water fast moving water you know really 
really green water in some places and so like that you don't whether it's a well-kept secret or it doesn't exist it's um it's not what you see in mainstream media in regards to darwin i, I say all this i'm not trying to attack people who live or yourself who live in darwin i'm trying to I'm trying to paint a picture that of the of the little known aspect of that area that you know that it is a fly fishing, um, you know, very much a fly fishing destination. But I mean, you must agree you don't see a lot of it, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you don't you don't see shitloads, but there, you know, there's 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 plenty of it up here. We get again, Waddy said the same thing in his podcast. This we get huge tidal variation up here, so you know, a lot of the time our water is filthy dirty like on a peak spring tide when we've got seven plus meters of of tidal difference between the high and low you know the water's like chocolate milk even in the harbor even along the beaches it's it's really really mm. filthy so opportunities to to get out and fish fish the flats and actually sight fish are um you know restricted to sort of a couple of days every couple of weeks you know when we've got um building tides off the back of the neeps and and that sort of stuff but i mean it's, there's nothing stopping anyone from um, from targeting targeting barra or threadfin or any of the other cool fish that people like to chase conventionally with a fly rod. It's just you've got to um, you sort of got to uh, you got to change the way you uh, you approach it, eh? Mm. Absolutely. I remember, like you talk about Waddy's podcast. He was talking about um, black dewfish sitting in in three meters of water, you know, and and eating every every lure that went past their nose. You know, that's that's incredibly fly fishable in, oh. in, in no matter what the tide's doing yeah man yeah Dewey's um i haven't ticked the Dewey off the list yet on fly I've, I've tried a few times um just haven't haven't pulled it off but it's totally doable there's there's plenty of places um where, where that could happen easily you know they're, they're super aggressive especially when they're in shallow water and you know most of the time they're in shallow water they're you know they're feeding they're not chilling out there they're hungry so yeah well a, a fish that's sitting in a raging current like that is using energy has to eat yeah exactly that's right yeah what do you think Vols? yeah yeah well I was, that was the observation i was going to make you know if they're sitting in three three meters of water i'm guessing unless it's at the bottom of the tide and you know under seven up to seven meters variation you know those fish are compelled to move around moving fish is a hungry fish um you know, and and they'll be moving for food or shelter. It shouldn't be, you know, too hard to to pin down the the wares and whens. But I bet you it'll take. Um, you know, there'll be a lot of wares and whens because of that variation. And the, you know, it's a fairly shallow place in general, isn't it? Like the gradients of the bottom is pretty, um, pretty. I don't know. You know, there's not a lot of deep water around, right? Yeah, not really, mate. Not compared to say the east or the west coast um, up here. Yeah. You don't. You've got to travel a long way to get sort of, you know, into the the fifty meter zone, and then even further to find anything deeper than that. So a lot, you know, a lot of the coastlines, you know, averages ten to sort of twenty meters for for a long way. Um, Darwin Harbour's the exception. There's a lot of deep water in Darwin Harbour, so places like Darwin Harbour, I probably wouldn't be trying to catch jewfish on fly. But there's 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 a crap load of other. Um, shallow bays and and stuff like that that have got you know good little lumps on them that do his hold on so it's totally yeah. doable darwin harbour is that bino harbour no nah, mate next one over so darwin oh, yeah. harbour's the harbour like basically right where the city is is built on yep and then um 
across the other side of Cox Peninsula is uh, Darwin Harbour. Uh, sorry, Bino Harbour. And then the other side of that's um, Dundee Beach. So Bino Harbour is pretty massive. It's um, it's bigger than Darwin Harbour, but yeah, pretty much the same sort of same style of fishing in both of them as well. Lots of variation. Like there's there's a lot of different habitats and smaller, you know, microcosms. Heaps, yeah, heaps, yeah. mate. Yeah. I'm sorry, what was that? A micro? What's a microcosm? It's like a smaller ecosystem, yeah? just a micro ecosystem. Microcosm. Yeah. Yeah, you can measure it in in millimeters. You know, sort of like your tradies right. measure. Yeah. Is that, is it like a microchasm or something like that, or is that the same thing? Don't know, man. Nilsie, keep okay. going. Yeah. I'm just going to Google that. Yeah, just go away and Google microcosm. Oh, I accidentally misplaced the C with a G. That doesn't, that's not, don't search that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go look at Bino instead. Binoceros. So <laughs> what's going on in um, in Darwin Harbour? Let's pick that one first because it's nice and close. There's, you know, there's um, there's plenty plenty of different things to chase there. Hey, Mills, give us a rundown. Yeah, yeah mate. Idea. Yep. Uh, it's you know depends on what time of year you're fishing in in the harbour. Um, you can pretty much you can pretty much bank on catching barras like all year round, even in our dry season. You know when all the locals are kicking around in in jumpers and UGG boots, um, the barras will still be biting in the harbour. It's um it's it's really tide tide driven for those. You know. Um, yep. It's probably the same everywhere for barras. Basically, as soon as the water's leaving the uh leaving the mangroves or or you know in the aerial routes on the outgoing tide it's a sort of the prime time and you can get barrows in the harbour all year round threadies as well but threadies seem to really fire up you know this time of year once we've started to get a few storms and um there's a little bit of fresh kicking around the jelly prawns kick off and you can have some pretty pretty insane but frustrating sessions on uh, on threadies in the harbour as well you know, they, I was going okay. to say one of the most frustrating sessions I've ever had was on a um, there was a school of threadies belting the bejesus out of some um, jelly prawns in a, in a drain. And um, mate, do you reckon we could get a get an eat? It was so hard. Like I just, you know, we were, we had I don't know deceivers, pink things, you know, basically meaty flies, baitfish style flies. And these uh, they were just constant. I zoned in on these jelly prawns, man. Um, sort of all sorts of retrieves, like banging it in, doing it, you know, ripping it out fast, sort of stop starts, anything you'd think of, just leaving it on the bottom even, stripping up, whatever. But they just, mate, all they wanted was jelly. It's crazy. Yeah, they, it's super frustrating when they're like that, isn't it? Like you can, um, we used to have a bit of success throwing like little black clouses, but I don't know why we chose black, maybe because it stands out a bit in dirty water. I don't know, but I think it's probably more of, you know, fly placement when they're doing that. If you could, if you could pick a thready swimming through the jelly prawns by the the showering jelly prawns in front of the fish, you could, mm. you know, you couldn't see the fish, but from how they are, the, the prawns were behaving, you could, you could almost lead them, you know. And yeah, it's it's it is a hard one. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was frustrating, but also fairly exhilarating. That, um, you know, I, I certainly didn't forget it. I, I sort of, uh, I'd love to get back there on a scenario with some different flies and different techniques. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty wicked. Yeah, and that that's sort of in full swing right now in the in the hubs and in um and over in Bino as well. You're yeah, getting right. pretty thick though, right? I've seen I've seen um, <clears throat> videos that you've put up 
um, of them being pretty pretty thick. You know, like uh, um, do you recall a video that you've put up? You, you, yeah. you don't put a lot of stuff up, right? But um, this one in particular was um, was pretty interesting. What was the deal with that? You remember the video, right? Yeah, mate. Yeah, that was that was actually a coastal creek in the runoff. Um, so that was that was sort of, that was in March. That was at the end of the wet season, and um, those those threadies in those particular areas. If you if you're going there chasing barras, they they become frustrating for a totally different reason because they just they eat everything you throw in the water, and there's there's <laughs> so many of them. They honestly piss you off. I know it's hard to, it's hard to fathom that, but when you're chasing big you know, coastal runoff barras, they can be super frustrating. Yeah, right. Okay. They they just get they get they get annoying. They just they they just become um, flathead essentially. Oh mate, you you saw the video. <laughs> I teabagged it. I didn't even cast. I was teabagging off the side of the boat. And plenty of times in that scenario, like I, you know, I'm a crap caster, and I, you know, my back cast would would kiss the water, and the the line would you know, pull through my fingers and I'd lose it all. And then I'd start stripping, you know, half a foot of line into, to make a forward cast and a, and a fish would eat it behind the boat, you know, mm, mm. like, uh, you know, what? I, I, we've got a mutual friend of ours. Um, Chrissy's name is who told us that as a caster, you make a great, um, a great, uh, singing contestant. He said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What he said, it's um, shout out to Chris. If you're listening, <laughs> Chris. Oh, yeah. Um, interesting. Hey, eh? uh, it's, it's, um, Look, uh, I I don't I don't have any reason to believe in me that mate. I guess it's um yeah some of the some of the fish that you've caught you know like it's um it would it would demonstrate that you know what you're doing that's for sure. Mate, um, if, you, if you see enough fish, eventually you're going to put the fly in the right place, even if you're a stem basher like me. <laughs> what is it? Is the is the fishing uh, is the fishing in the area like anyone's game? I mean, it must it must get it must be a few fishermen in Darwin, right? I mean, it's a pretty big it's a capital city, you know so. There couldn't be there couldn't be like a stupid amount of fish to go around for everyone though, right? No, no. There's a, a lot of people are like I said, barra centric, and and you know Darwin Harbour barras and and you know the barras easily accessible and close to Darwin. A lot of people, a lot of people don't don't fish for them as much as they do the bigger fish in the bigger rivers. You know, like everyone's, it's all big fish. You know, big big fish, big barras. You know, build up and run off, do the miles. You know. It's it's nothing for nothing for people to do, you know, four hundred Ks in a in a trip in their boat for four days fishing a remote coastal river, you know. Oh, okay. So yeah, right. So it's not yeah, right. I gotcha. See, when you think of um it's easy to think Darwin, uh, I'm going to Darwin to go barra fishing and think that like you're just gonna you know, soak a prawn off the boat ramp and um and, and catch the doll twenty. Really, it's not, it's not the case, right? I mean, that's a lot of Ks you're talking about there. Crazy amount of Ks, really, at the end of the day, for anywhere, really. Um, and, a, and an unexpected amount of Ks for the how fruitful the media portrays Darwin as for, for fishing, which which it is. But like anywhere, I guess you just got to do the miles, right? Oh, or, people or, people do these miles chasing the big ones. But, I mean, there's you could go to nearly any boat ramp in Darwin and actually catch a bar off it. Um and that's no exaggeration. As long as the tide tide height's right and everything's the tide's doing the right thing, you know, there's plenty of opportunities. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, cool, gotcha, gotcha. So, mate, we're um, you know, barren thread has been a big part of the conversation so far, but um, 
you know, you did you did allude to the neap tides and the uh, and the and the side fishing in in Bino. You said Bino, didn't you? Would you say Darwin Harbour? Was it Darwin Harbour as well? And Bino got got flats. Yeah, mate, all of them. Shoal Bay, Bino, Darwin Harbour. There's, there's there's flats everywhere. With such big tidal variation, you know, like our beaches will will stretch for a kilometre before they hit the water at low tide. You know what I mean? Mm. Everything's everything's really flat. That mean okay. On those tidal runs, does that mean you're always moving to avoid getting stranded or being too deep? Yeah, oh. yeah, it is. But most of the time, if I'm if I'm looking for fish to cast at, uh, I'm fishing neap tides. I'm not I'm not worrying about the springs. Spring tides, I'll be in the harbour catching a barrel or something like that. You know. Yep. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the the permit fishing in, in around that area, like it's it's a it's a it's a conversation often spoken about in hushed tones. Can we talk about it? Yeah, mate. Yeah. Yep. Righto. So you might have to sort of lead the way a little bit there before we um, say, you know, ask questions that might make you feel uncomfortable or fear for your safety while you still live in the town. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, there, there, there's a there's a permit fishery there, right? Hey. Uh, I mean, there is. They're here. They're here for sure. Like they've been caught. Um, they've definitely been caught. Um, some have been caught really close to town. Uh, on purpose, in skinny water, on fly? Oh, well. uh, maybe. Yeah. Okay, see, this is where, yeah, see, see what I'm talking about, Volts? I knew this would happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, mate. Um, just, yeah, so tell, tell us what you're comfortable with, right? Just, uh, let's, um, yeah, we don't want to, we want to, we don't want to make this, you know, the next, um, the next Belize or anything like that, right? But, uh. You know, you could you could drop us some some cherries, right? In regards to the fishery there, I don't I don't think it's going to be the next Belize. It's it, yeah, it's it's way too hard for that. But um, right. I mean, we've we've found we've found some perms. We found some perms pretty close to Darwin. Um, we probably spent the best part of this year fishing them. Um, but again, that's only every you know one or two days every every two weeks. Um, when we get the good tides and you know days off at work align and all the rest, so probably could have hit him a bit harder if I if I was happy to use up some manual leave. But you know, there's there's definitely fish around. We've we've caught one, but I'm not gonna not gonna delve too much into where or how or when or anything like that. But they are up here for sure. And you know what he's seen them. There's a bunch of other people that have seen them. Um, if anyone was interested in in chasing them up here, it's just do do the time like i i i made a conscious um decision earlier in the year that i was really going to try and look for look for them um up here and so mm. that was that was ignoring you know driving past spots that i knew there'd be a barrel waiting on this tree or you know hanging off the edge of this mangrove root or just just trying to just trying to really focus on on finding them because you know there's you get the odd trickle of photos coming in on, you know, land-based fishing pages of mm. some bloke who's caught one off the beach somewhere and he got it on a piece of squid and whatnot. Um, just trying to piece all that sort of stuff together, you know. It's, yeah. um And like you always say, mate, there's, there's um, nothing better than, no better education than time on the water, eh? Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the Chris Adams right there. 
<laughs> you know, I was speaking to um, I was speaking to Dave, that dude who owns Territory Fly Fishing, um, the other week. He seems pretty. He seems pretty confident that um, that there's a fishery in it, right? You know, like it's a uh, um, that you know that he was. Oh, I don't want to give away the, the conversation because probably for the same reason you don't want to either. It sounds like um, you know, it's there. It's there to be found, and it 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 could easily be exploited if it's um if it's given away. So I won't, but um, but he sound, he's got similar optimism to you in that in that respect. Although you're talking about you've seen him, he's talking about you know he's seen him, he's seen him caught as well. It doesn't seem that uncommon, but it seems like a local secret. Is that a, a good way to describe it? You reckon? I guess so. It's it's just it's it's probably too early to you know call it a local secret. It's the locals are still trying to fucking work it out. You know. Well. You know, you got guys like um, I mean, Graham Williams has, has um, put clients on on the permit in the in, the, in um, I don't know if that's in Bino or Darwin Harbour. I don't know, but uh, I've heard that. Have you heard that as well? Or? Yeah, yeah, yep. Over in over out the front of Bino, I think was the sort of area that Graham used to fish heaps. So, right, okay, yep, mm-hmm. okay, that's interesting. Um, look, we're not gonna we're we're not gonna. Yeah, we're not going to give anything away, I suppose, in that respect. But uh, I mean, there's a big body of water, right? But it's just, um, I guess the the goal would be if there's people listening to this in in the Northern Territory or in the area up there that um, you know don't think it's there. I guess it'd be good to good to uh, I don't know that rising tide lifts all ships, so to speak. If someone's out there pioneering with them, and you know, I don't know, the squirrely one in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to give away too much, but then, you want people to know it's there at the same time. Yeah, yeah, mate. Um, you know, after after we got that one, like all I wanted to do was send it to a heap of people, but I knew there was a, a little bit of risk there, um, only because well, where we found where we found these fish was um, super accessible. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm really really accessible um and way too obvious definitely under everyone's noses but um yeah the risk well, of it, the risk of it blowing out like i already saw a change in those fish from from the 12 months um fishing them you know i um i messaged mm. paul dolan and and asked asked um his experience on sort of how the fish react to to pressure and um you know i got a feeling that this is sort of one one school of fish that lives in this area and because they they seem to do the same thing on the same stage of the tide every day they'll move oh. the same way they'll go to the same place and um you know i noticed i noticed a sort of a change in their behavior after fishing them for for the year um and maybe it's selfish of me i don't know but i sort of i sort of found it um found them getting a little bit hard and i kind of didn't want them to get any harder you know mm-hmm. well look let's Sorry, but oh, sorry, but, uh, 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 I won't ruin your question, Vols, But I was just going to say, let's not let's not talk about the area. Then you know, let's um, yeah. we don't want to blow it, man. So it's uh, but but I'd love to know more about their behaviour and and what your what what your approach is towards them. All right. Well, the the approach in the beginning was just flying along a flat with the electric motor and um, basically driving straight over the top of them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and still not being sure what they were, you know. Um, it's a time-honoured technique, by the way. 
pond. Oh, it's the, best, it's the best way to find fish. Just blow them up. Oh, wow, look at that. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, sort of ventured further down the flat and um, – it's it's a it's a funny one. It gets it gets pretty affected with um with wind this flat. So there's um you know when it chops up, I'm basically driving beam onto the waves. Uh, the water starts to get pretty dirty. Um, the electric motors blowing out of the water, going gong gong, and um, I started to see more and more and more. And then um you know further trips further down the line, we 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 sort of followed that same line but had better conditions and um you know then we then we found a, a part of the flat where they were transiting past and you know we got a couple of looks and a couple of follows from those fish um and it didn't look like they weren't riding high or anything like that you know they were they were moving fairly slowly but they were pretty deliberate in where they were going you know and and every now and then you'd see one moon and flash and or they'd you know one would tip up on his head and eat something off the bottom so we knew they were, you know, a little bit more catchable. So basically, it was one of those one of those fish that we ended up we ended up getting to the boat. Um, but yeah, every every time back, it's um apart from that sort of one transit spot where they where they cruise past that um they they they'd always leave me scratching my head. You know, I'd found them on a much lower tide, way further out, doing something totally different on a different mm. stage of the tide. Um, and then other times I'd found them way further in and doing something else, you know, like, yeah, they're, they're perplexing, but, um, hopefully more time on the water and I can, um, get a bit more of a gauge on what they're doing. Is, is there a time, sorry, Vols, you go, mate. Apologize. <laughs> right. Yeah, literally, is there, is there a, a commonality? You said there's some patterns appearing, but, you know, is, is there, is there a period where they're actually more focused on feeding than others? Um, not so, not so much. Like I did, I did find them a couple of times in in one area, and they were really spread out, and they were all feeding. Um, but then again, I never found them doing that same thing in that same spot again, and that was over multiple trips. So, mm. yeah, interesting. Right. So, literally, only see them in that particular spot in that particular situation once. Well, there there is the transit spot. Where they they always come past, um, but but they're coming still, from somewhere or going. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're still piecing it together. I mean, they 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 could be they could be coming from somewhere where they're feeding really really hard, you know, and they might be ending up where we're finding them to um to to rest and relax um, mm. before the tide changes. So yeah, I still I still I yeah I wish I had more answers, but um, I'm still working it out myself. Um, what what flies are you using? Um, I'm too much. Not comfortable with it. Oh, mate, flies aren't a secret. But just, just crab flies are like little um, felt legged. I've been running little felt legged um, Alflexo tube sort of on the top. Not, not an Alflexo style, but I guess tied in a similar way as what um, Gav's crabs tied on, like with the tubing tied on the top with a bent shank. Um, yep. Tungsten putty underneath that sort of thing. Oh, um, revolutionary, eh? Revolutionary, mate. <laughs> Didn't see much of that before the gas crab ride. No way, no. And <laughs> they they work, mate. They sink the right way. I'm um, I'm actually keen to give the gas crab a uh, a crank. I reckon reckon they'll eat them, mate. Yeah, mate. Well, yeah. I mean, Dave's got them in his shop up there for you dudes who live in Darwin now. So it's um, 
I think he told me the only the only only permit he's been involved with that's been catching is eat, eating a gas crab up there. So it's uh, continues to uh, continues to do its job, I guess. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's a killer. Yeah, uh, but they, I mean, that's before I backed off from Volsi, That's where I was um, heading. Like, as in, um, have you found them in um, in different benthic scenarios? You know, like uh, like you know, a clean clean sand or, or muddy bottom or, or rubble or you know, I just I just wonder, you know, if there if it's or if it's a combination between grass and grass and sand or rubble and sand and things like that, just to yeah. what just to what they're eating, just to just to sort of put it together a bit. Yeah, I've got out and I've I've had a I've had a bit of a walk on the um on the flats there at low tide and I can't really find a great deal apart from, you know, sand dollars and and little tiny shrimps and stuff that are living in in rocks and shells and whatnot but um i mean it's a mix of both there's this like um sort of i guess it's a silty sand and then there's actual hard sand and there's reef and i mean it's it's probably all the things that permit really like it's Mm. it's the perfect environment um you know patches of coral and all sorts of stuff there It'd be a hard environment for a crab to live in with that big a tide. You know, you'd be out of the water for a long time. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's. Uh, um, I wonder. You know, like um, I've only been involved with um, with with one permit that that died. It got you know, hooked really deeply, and um, I've seen that thing gutted. And I've known other people who've gutted them before, and it's very rare to find crabs inside them. You know, I think a crab fly is um, is effective when it's tied in a way that it does exactly what you want it to do, as in. You know, get to the bottom fast if that's what you want to, but land hook point up and strip hook point up and all that sort of stuff. But I believe it. Well, I would assume that it's probably more of a treat that it couldn't pass up, the same way that um, you know a fish would eat a spinnerbait that doesn't even look like a fish, just looks like car keys. You know, it's just um, it's just something that it can't swim past. But it's probably not hunting or expecting to see it at the same time. You know, yeah. if it's that sort of environment that you're describing, there sounds like you know sand dollars periwinkles all those little little tiny shellfish that you know probably some mussel bears maybe they'd probably uh, like to be out of the water for a certain amount of time as well but um do you know what i mean like it's it's probably not what what they're chasing anyway not that they wouldn't eat a crab fly but um yeah it's just, it's just an interesting benthic scenario oh, i haven't i haven't caught enough permit to to comment on that but um but i reckon you're right yeah i think i think they really like eating crabs obviously and uh you know, if a crab if a crab pops up on a flat where they haven't seen a crab all day, or they they've seen one or two in swimming a kilometre of the flat, um, it's going to look pretty tasty. Yeah. Well, you're looking at you're looking at. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine any animal in the world besides a human would assess it like this. But I think instinctually, they would. You know, you, you would be looking at the energy it would take to go and harvest a hundred periwinkles, like the tiny little tiny little. Um, shellfish compared to like what you'd get from one crab it'd be it'd be worth their while not to let it go you know not to not to miss it yeah yeah absolutely you know they're um they're a pretty efficient feeder right eh? when you sit and actually watch them they cruise along and they just they just when they're actually eating you know hard they'll be they'll be swimming along and just dipping down and they'll be picking something up every every couple of feet you know they they don't it doesn't actually look like they exert a great deal of energy in doing that like they seem like really good grazers of the uh of the benthic strata when you sit and watch them quite, Ma- quite masters of the benthic yeah benthic, benthic masters 
they're, they're, they're cool to watch if you can sit and watch long enough without casting too early and fucking the shot up like I always do. <laughs> That's the key, though, isn't it, really, for, for all sorts of sight fishing, is just, just being able to watch for as long as you can, I reckon. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, nothing like, nothing's going to ruin sight fishing more than, than casting too early. I can't think of how many times in, in you know, before I had that way of thinking that I put a cast in, I haven't, I've, I've thought I could make it, I haven't made it, and then the fish swims closer. And I'm still pulling my fly in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Or it turns and turns and sort of swims towards your fly getting stripped away, then sees the boat and pisses off. That's awesome too. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a real fish management issue. You know, the more flats fishing I do, the more, you know, I'm more conscious of, of you know, the next chess move or, or two or three down the, you know, plays down the down the uh, line from that. Um just want to circle back on on the flies, like what sort of colours? Are you comfortable talking about successful colours, or have you seen a pattern in um, in what you've what you've witnessed? I mean, one fish is hard to hard to feel, you know, establish a pattern, but maybe you've seen, you know, distinctive prey, or you've seen reactions to something that didn't work. Uh, not so much reactions that didn't work, because I mean they're pretty good at just swimming over and totally ignoring it if they don't want it. Um, hmm. so I guess nothing's really scared them off, but I mean. I just been just we've just been trying to tie natural colours, you know, um, tans and, and with yellow legs or yellow carapace, yellow legs, you know, just the usual sort of, you know, saltwater crab colours, I guess. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing too, nothing too insane. I've had a couple of follows on on little, you know, tan shrimp flies and that sort of stuff as well. Or, yep. yeah, yeah. Well, Follows, I guess you could call them follows. More, more a quick look and a glance, and then a, a turn and a swim away. Yeah, yeah, you get that a bit. I, eh? um, I sometimes wonder, you know, with with these sort of flies, particularly if you if you're fishing bent, benthic brown, you know, um, you can, you know, I worry I worry that we're we're imitating camouflage, and in 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 essence, we're hiding our fly rather than showing it to the fish, you know, um, um. You know, but who knows what the fish actually sees and what it wants to eat. Um, you know, uh, it's an interesting conundrum. I will think about it a lot. Well, I think that if a, if if a, how's this? I was just thinking a similar thing there, Volt. Say, but I reckon if um, I reckon if if it's if it's true, if it's in actual fact that you know these fish come across this and it, and it's such a surprise from to see it that they don't want to let it go. It's that it's that fine line balance. You know, like it's um. You know, you, you need to be able to have it recognised as a crab, but not recognise it as um as as so unrealistic that it's dangerous. It's not worth the risk. You know what I mean? Like that that walk in the line thing. If you were to get too realistic, like you said, Volts, I think you'd camouflage from it completely. But mm-hmm. at the same time, here's a fish that's got the size that makes it worthy to target on on fly by finding fish that are uh, finding you know crabs and shrimps that are. You know that's that's their livelihood is to is to be so um, camouflaged that they're not they're not getting eaten. Um, you know, I wonder, eh? I wonder if it's that it's that fine line aspect like that. But if um, you know, I guess you've got to kind of make that decision when you're picking that fly out. That if you're fishing for a reaction or if you're fishing to feed it as a food source, fish like tuna, as an example, like they'll key in on on bait fish size so 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 carefully. If you've got a if you've got a, a a twenty mil fly that 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 imitates a twenty mil fish there, and you chuck in a a, a forty mil fly or a thirty mil fly, it's likely it'll get rejected. You know, so 
if that was to carry over to something like permanent, if they were on a flat that was eating crabs, that's when you'd probably be wanting to have something that was so close to the real thing to not to not to not freak it out completely because it's getting a good look at crabs everywhere around itself. But if it's on a flat where it's grazing on, you know, periwinkles and 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 sand dollars and so like that, and a crab's like, oh shit, a crab, you know, it's um you kind of want to get that reaction, right? It's a it's a it's a hard thing to know what to do, I suppose. I mean, there's arguably a lot of crab flies don't probably don't look like crabs. We call them crabs, but they're probably not crabs to, to a fish like that. They're more of a reaction, you know. It's um, it's uh, I wonder well, if fish. I wonder if fish know that we've done 180 podcasts talking about the way they think. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's that's so a really, thinking. that's a really good point though. Like you said before, Chris, these these fish you got insane vision i'm assuming they've got really big eyes that they're designed for looking at the bottom and picking stuff up um yeah if there was a if there was a crab that was camouflaged in the bottom or a crab fly that was too camouflaged they'd see it man they i reckon that yeah and it's probably it's probably you know the the silhouette or the outline of the, the carapace maybe some you know the shape of legs and claws that sort of stuff that it has to be a trigger for them and they they do this shit for a living. That's how they survive. Is yeah, and stuff up that is camouflage. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to make them suss on it as well. And um, you know, the shadow from the leader, depending on the on the on the on the type of bottom that it's on. You know, yeah. things like that. Like the even even the 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 um the sheen level of the hook. You know, some people go to the point of, of painting their hooks. You know, for that reason. Um, yeah. It's just. I guess it all just depends on. You've got to know. You got to know where you're chasing them. I suppose, and I guess that that comes with time, and and from making mistakes. You know, well, rejections are the are the best things to learn from. Really, in the day, no matter if it's fish or women. Yeah, true. Rejection is a snap. You know, a snapshot in time too. You know, be plenty of reasons why you got it. But you're right. You've got to learn from each and every. You know, and yeah, I guess you know someone like Chris has had a few. But, yeah. <laughs> I've had I had a, I've had a heap of them, mate, for sure. Yeah, you know the. Selective hunting, mate. Yeah. Um, so, Sorry, mate, was that you broke up there? So, just want to let you get get the opportunity to get it out clearly. Tough. You know, hey? it's tough. To oh, it is tough, mate. You're right. Yeah, it's tough. Um, just uh, are we finished talking about permit? Do we give, can we branch? We're out? never. We're never finished talking about permit, boss. <laughs> Ain't that true? Is this your first day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels. Um, we could put yeah, on pause, though. The permit podcast, but yeah, yeah there's there's a lot of transferable sk skills that come out of permit. You know that that you know, directly take into other other species. Um, so you know they're, they're very diverse in their behaviours and and preferences, as we know. Um, but um, you know we chase them. We're probably at the expense of of other fish a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, that's because we love them. Yeah, um, up there in. In, in the harbour, is, is there any other, you know, is there tuskies and, and scrutineers, uh, sorry, um, bastards and other sort of fly scrutineers getting into it or what? Yeah, mate, yeah, we get we get a we get a fair few tuskies, hey. It's, um, there's actually a lot of them around, a lot more than what people think that, you know, plenty of them get seen. I, I used to see a, a lot um, chasing barras on the flats, especially if the flat had sort of, you know, a rubble patch or a rock bar or something like that, and I'd... It's that sort of those fish you never expect to see until you're right on top of them. So, and then you know, 
lately I've been I've been kind of expecting to see them. You know, if um, yeah, that there's plenty of um, there's plenty of tuskies. There's also like an absolute crap ton of um of of brown bastards up here. Like you know, particularly sort of in the dry season, uh, end of the dry season time, there you can see hundreds of them on a on an outgoing tide on a flat and they're 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 a tricky fish to actually target i'd you know i i'm sure other people up here who've, who've chased them as well have noticed this but generally those those um brown bastards I, I think they're they're one of the first fish to leave the flat on an outgoing tide so you know generally when the when the water's still up in the mangroves they're up in behind the mangroves and feeding in the aerial roots and then you know when the water height is just about right for the barrows to start moving out and and becoming visible those brown bastards they're they're on their way out they're moving so you get plenty of shots at them um getting them to turn and 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 eat a fly when they're when they're traveling is is tricky but they they definitely do it um what other what other fly scrutineers are there it's mainly i want to talk about tuskies man i love tuskies um yeah so in darwin i'll tell you I'll tell you a theory that I I have um, of the yellow chin tusky. Yeah, yeah. Now I've I've heard other people talking about it since, but I, I put forward that <clears throat> like that you get the tuskies on the on the east coast, right right, right around to about Weeper. They're all they've got a blue chin, right? And then working from the other side, you got bald chin groper going up WA, probably around Shark Bay. You start getting black spot things with it that look like a bald. Like they've got the bald chin as well, like the yellow chin, and that seems to go all the way around to Weeper as well, across the top. And, mm. and Weeper, I've seen both being caught. Um, now, at some point in time, someone will tell you one, you know, do some scientific research and say that, you know, there's there's no difference between them; they're just colour morphs, or you know, they occur. What's the word they use? Sympatrically or something like that. But which means they live together. But they, um, um, what you've You've spent some time on the east coast. I know you you lived in Airlie for a while. Um, yeah. Presumably you've you've experienced both of them. Have you noticed much difference in in behaviour or or habits of them or what? Nah, mate. Behaviour is the same. Um, especially when it comes to the shallow water, they're, yeah. they're they're just as hard to catch up here as they are over there. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about the the difference in species. I know the ones on the east coast seem to grow a hell of a lot bigger like you know a nice a nice tusky up here might be 50 or 60 you know um that's a really good one whereas you know they grow massive on the east coast i've seen them you know sid boshammer gets them down around harvey bay and places like that 10 kilos they're they're giants they're not in they're not in shallow water i he's he's sinking that down in like four or five meters of water with live crabs yeah, but like they get huge. We don't. They do get huge for sure. We don't even catch them on bait um, in deeper water up here that big. You know? Yeah, yeah. Right. Nowhere near that size. So the East Coast fish definitely grow bigger. Mm. Um, be an interesting thing, Voltaren. You should. Um, I should send you over a a fin clip TSU vial, and you can take a fin clip of it. I'll take a fin clip of one up here and send it away to someone. We can and compare get... DNAs. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Huh. Um, interesting no, that... way to phrase it. Yeah, well, that's what they look at. They literally look at the DNA. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but yeah, cool, man. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, are you using crabs or shrimps, or it doesn't really matter in your opinion? It's more of a presentation thing. 
Uh, yeah, mate. I've, I've I've I caught a I caught a few over in Queensland. I've, I've caught a few up here now. I've, I think I've got one on a shrimp up here, but the rest have been on crabs. Like, you know, mm. usually if they don't know you're there, if they if they don't if you know they can't sense the presence of the boat or hear the hear the electric. Um, most of the most of the tuskies you see on the flats up here, if you put a if you put a crab in and they don't they don't hear it land or it doesn't spook them at all, they pounce on it most of the time. Um, yeah. No, they're really really aggressive. Um, and I'm not not little small brown tusk fish either. Like these are the these are the proper black spots. And you know if you, if you if you can get a fly in there and them not know that you're there or them if they see it on the bottom they'll swim over and they'll they'll flip a rock over to get to it. You know they're yeah, cranky little buggers. Are they are they glowing blue in the water up there, or is it just um, like do, are they easy to see or not? Not not like those East Coast fish glow, but they're easy to see. They're like a more of a yellowy green, you know, a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, quite green. They are easy to see. It depends on the water clarity too, you know. Yeah. Even on a, even on a super clean neap tide day, um, our water is 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 nothing compared to. You know some of the yep. water in other places it's still a bit discolored so right yeah and they, they still like I, break off yeah i think it i think that that dirty water works in our favor a little bit too you know um fish are probably a little bit you know less spooky in that dirty water um compared to compared to that crystal clean water over on the east coast okay yeah no, that's interesting to note um yeah okay there's a lot lot to unpack there chris you had a question um yeah Valtzi, are you finished talking about tuskies that was my uh, question oh yeah i'm ready to move on yeah oh yeah, yeah. no i'm finding i'm finding it fascinating it sounds it's like it like your conversation just adds weight to the idea that they potentially are different species to me well yeah i'd be interested to know eh? like just just because i like to know shit so yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it's not out of the realms of possibility. That you know, what, what was the blue bastard was only recently given its own um, name, scientifically, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Like within like the only last what ten years, fifteen years, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, more recent than that. I reckon it's probably been five years or something. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not a scientist, obviously, but I, I wonder what how long the actual process of um you know of you know doing a research having a published you know paper published and um and uh you know obviously there's a, a peer review um part of that before it becomes accepted you know i wonder how long that process takes it would be pretty cut and dry wouldn't it i mean if they were a different species they would have different uh um genetic uh, information yeah, but what uh, I, I, I think I think the genetics would be very similar. They'd be nitpicking. Um, there'd be a lot of nitpicking, and it wouldn't just be two samples. Like it wouldn't be a sample from the east coast and the west coast. It'd be a shitload of samples from all over the east coast, a shitload from all across the top, and then the top of the west coast as well. And they'd have to compare them all. Like it wouldn't just be a two sample. Oh, yep, they're a little bit different. Uh, Let's call them a different thing. Sounds like it'd be a full weekend for sure. Long weekend. Long weekend, I reckon, for sure. <laughs> That's a lot of sample collecting. I haven't heard of so much DNA sample collecting since um, your time in college vaults. Since the paternity tests for uh, for Chris Bates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> <You're mad. laughs> 
Yeah. Tessarin, you are the father. Batesy. <laughs> um, it's a shame that he couldn't make it tonight. He was emphatic that he just didn't want to be on the podcast tonight. Did you know that? That's a real shame. That's a real shame. He's probably real tied real up shame. in paternity tests of his own. Why don't you tell us a little bit, um, has there been any stories that you can share with us about, about Batesy? Oh, look, mate. There's got to be some good ones, right? None that are PG. There's, mate, I've got so many. You, is this your first time on the podcast? Have you, we are not for children. You can go yeah, for it, mate. I get it. That these are really rancid. <laughs> these are these are these are um these are hard to stomach for for even Batesy. Is that what you're getting at? Oh, one 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 ripper. Uh, I could probably share. It's it's slightly PG. It's um we used to get back from charters, um in Townsville. We do, you know. He dribbled on about it in his show. You know, sometimes we'd do six, seven days at sea and get back and we'd go and do a debrief. So it was our excuse to just go and get absolutely shit-faced in, in Townsville in the pubs that night. Um, you know, we're, we're living on like five hours sleep for seven days looking after punters for the whole trip. Mm. Get back to town, tired, absolutely rocked, and then we decide to just get shit-faced drunk and, um, and have a party. And then it was like... I don't know if you guys know Molly Malone's. We're on the top of Molly Malone's in Townsville, up on the up on the balcony, and Batesy stands up on the top rail and does a gargoyle into the street. And I, it, you know what a gargoyle is, Chris, don't you? It's like a. It's not like a bird bath, right? Uh, yeah, I, it sounds the same. Yeah. Have to, maybe you could um, paint the I picture. Don't I don't really want to. It's pretty grim. <laughs> could we, could so, interested parties could probably Google it, right? Yeah, yeah, but just picture, picture Chris, like um, you know, leaning off a off a upright rail, standing on top of a guardrail on on the top level of a pub, leaning backwards and just running the full gargoyle for the whole of Flinders Street and Townsville to see. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm um, I'm on Urban, Urban Dictionary right now. Um, no, well, the, Todd, the Todd Carney, the Todd Carney, you might remember that. Like the bubbler. The bubbler. Yeah. The bubbler. Yeah. yeah, right, okay. Yeah, right. So he's just doing that. Okay. Good on you, Batesy. Well, you are you you, you asked for a um Oh no, mate. You, story. I, I don't mate, know what else to say, mate. They're all mate. like that. A lot of them are worse. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> all right. Well that's I mean, I did ask for it. You're absolutely correct there. In fact, I'm not sure if I've received the full impact of that one. You must have another. Ah, mate, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it at that. We'll okay, no worries. It's a shame he wouldn't come on tonight, but uh, like I said, emphatically uh, requested to not become available. Yeah. You're, you're I don't good. want to shit on him too much. He'll strangle me with one of his nip-ridden dreadlocks. His friends oh. all ropes. His friends all ropes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly, mate. So what did you guys do on the, on the charter? What were you just doing? Well, we were fishing. Yep, yeah. the fishing charter. <laughs> yeah, mate. It was just it was just um, bottom bashing, kill everything. You know, you know the style. Every now and then we'd um every now and then we'd get a cool trip with with cool punters who wanted to jig and pop and do sports fishing and that sort of stuff. But majority of the time it was um you know if it's red it's dead high vis. Yeah. Drink heaps of beers, um, come home with two hundred refish at the end of the trip, sort of thing. So, they ever leave not... any any gear behind? Anything worthwhile? 
Oh, I mean, some international um, clients that we'd get on sports fishing trips would leave some pretty cool tips, fishing gear and that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, no, not really, mate. It, and if, yeah, you, if you're no. referring to the toothbrush... Um, I was just about to stick, lead my way to dentists and then um, hear, hear of any toothbrushes are left behind. <laughs> yeah, I fucking can smell that from a mile away. Um, <laughs> yeah, it... You know, I did give it a, a swizzle in a, in a bit of in a bit of bleach, and see that's the difference between me, me and Batesy is that um, yeah, he's happy. I want to get this side to, of it. Yeah, he's happy to go six days on a boat, forget his toothbrush, and not brush his teeth for six days. And I, that's I don't run that. Hey, I um, I I, I was super happy when I found that toothbrush because it means I'm gonna be honest with you, mate. With clean teeth. He he told me the story and he says, "Oh mate, the guy found a toothbrush and then he washed it with a bit of bleach and he was like, oh, to be fair, Batesy, that bleach would have killed everything and he would have been able to clean his teeth." Oh yeah, but you know it's someone else's toothbrush. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's true, but you make a good argument there, Millsy. I must admit, you know, it's uh, if if the um if uh the alternative was to just you know go six days without cleaning your teeth, grim." Grim, yeah, and, and, uh, and he's the bloke who'd be happy to do that. Yeah, he had really short dreadlocks at that time too, didn't he? Like that's a, that's a that's a real that's a real sign, you know, the people who got like the the two inch dreadlocks. Yeah, uh, things are going downhill. Yeah, you know, they've, they've made some life choices that they can't come back from at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, nah, mate, he's um he's he's kicking goals. He's kicking goals. He is, mate. I, I hear he can finish off a full family pie, um, meat pie, smoker, with one of the extra large, like I think it's a 500 mil ice break. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Oh, man, that's supervisor level. Right? That's 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 management material right there in the arborist field. That's mm. a, I think that's um, I think that's like the the equivalent of a PhD in in um, in tree lopping, right? That's yeah. what you need to do. To be yeah, absolutely. And knock off at 12 o'clock and go to the pub. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, to be fair, that does sound like any wet trade. It could be a concreter, but, um, you know, it's the, it's the pie and the ice break that um, define that one. Concreter yeah. would just be on the piss. That's right. That's right. Yeah. VBs for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. VBs and a point. <laughs> a point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey mate, so what about do you do you ever um, dabble in the freshwater? I mean, it's got a pretty good freshwater um, fishery up there, right? Yeah, mate. Yep, I um, I love going and, and fishing the fresh. Um, you know, we've we've got a we've got a lot of freshwater, uh, easily accessible billabongs and and river stretches and that sort of stuff up here. It's um, and I mean, it's it's sort of again, it's pretty barocentric. There's some systems have got a, a crap load of toga in them. The Giardini, the most beautiful toga on the planet. Relax, um, mate. <laughs> you mean those those Papua New Guinean immigrants? You mean? Yeah, mate. Yeah, those ones. <laughs> no, they they they're so much fun. They're great. And um, but you know, you know, there's there's plenty of plenty of upper um upper stretches of tributary tributaries of the main rivers that have got heaps of sooties as well. Sooties are great fun. Um. Mm-hmm. But you know, some of the sooty fishing is, is sort of land-based fishing, so you've, you know you've always got to be always got to be careful of crocodiles and all that other stuff. But tell yeah, us, but, tell us about a situation like that. Have you? I mean, I mean, you're not a, you've been born and bred in Darwin. Um, uh, am I right in assuming that? I know you've been away from Darwin, but I didn't know where you've been. Um, were born there or at Belanglo or something like that. You know, <laughs> like uh, 
No. You know, like, are you from Darwin? Yeah, I was actually born and raised in Catherine, so like 300 oh, okay. days south. So the gotcha. beautiful, beautiful town called Catherine. But yep. yeah, on the well, on the the Catherine River was is sort of one of the one of the main um, you know headwaters of the the mighty Daly River. So oh yeah, we used yeah. to have some pretty awesome fishing in the Catherine River. Grew up fishing down there and um, chasing sooties and and barras and all the rest. Um, so it was a great place to grow up. You know. Trudging around. Well, you'd be pretty naturally crockwise then, I'm assuming. So, I mean, I was going to lead up to some some stories. I'd imagine being a you know being from the area and living in the area, you know, you'd see some things that you'd probably glaze over as oh well that um, someone from Victoria would probably um, go in with some brown pants, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's I don't know. There's... On, give us your best one. Let's start with your best one, mate. Then, then oh. we'll go to the, the funniest one. And then we'll go to the most dangerous one. Are we, are we talking croc stories here? Or? <laughs> yeah, give us some give us some croc stories, mate. I want to hear. I want to hear it come just short of that's not a knife. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, there's <laughs> there was, there's been plenty of times walking along, say the upper Catherine River or places like that, and you know you'll be casting along a bank and 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 walking you know in ankle deep water and you know, a, a big Johnson River or freshwater crocodile will shit itself. It'll be sleeping up on the uh, up on the bank above you. It'll wake up, see you, shit itself and tear down the bank at 50k an hour and nearly take you out. And, you know, it's not trying to eat you. It's trying to get back to the water. But, fuck, they scare the shit out of you when they do that, man. They really, really? do. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's happened a handful of times. They really, really take the wind out of you because you know out of your peripheral you see something move you turn around and there's this freshie running down the bank just bolting towards the water and you know your instinct tells you it's a crocodile and it's running towards you so you absolutely pack it yeah but so um, what you say it's the surprise really right yeah but fuck it's like it's like walking through the bush and and you know nearly standing on a python it's, yeah it's still a snake you're still a you're, snake. You're, I totally hear. Do you ever find in that situation when you've nearly walked on one that, and you you feel man enough to explain to people that you nearly walked on one and you were surprised by it and frightened that all their mates start to think that you've got some pathological fear of snakes? Then after that, no, mate. Most most mammals actually have got this um this thing genetically wired in their brain where they can identify a snake peripherally. It's um right. It's pretty amazing. Google it. Yeah. Oh, it is, yeah, and um, yeah, cool. Do you reckon most of those mammals would be like, "Oh shit, a snake," and then uh, there's other mammals are like, "Oh my god, are you so frightened of them? What's going on?" Anything like that happened to you? No, but there's there's no fear, in, there's 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 no shame in being scared of snakes, mate. Don't worry about it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I you know, I I think it's uh, I think it's pretty natural to not want to stand on, you know, <laughs> some of the most world's deadliest snakes. That's cool. It might be just me. What a wuss. Just stand on it, you pussy. Come yeah, on, yeah. man. <laughs> what a what a wuss. That's how I know some I know some tough guys, Millsy. I tell you, some real tough men, you know, that's for sure. Hey Volts. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so mate, you come on, mate. There must be there must be more croc stories than that than just having a Jono run at you, right? I mean doesn't <laughs> I'm not trying to talk talk that down. I mean, most people would um would um would lighten the lighten the you know, lighten the load with that one, you know, but um um, have any run-ins with salties? Like even in the freshwater, I think most people are probably um, surprised to hear of how many um, salties actually live in freshwater. Do you get them in Catherine? Yeah, yeah, mate. We 
we grew up swimming in the river and jumping out of trees in deep water holes and that sort of stuff now and we would oh back then we wouldn't do it now no way there's you know the, the crocs is yeah they're nearly back to their probably their what they were pre-cull days you know what i mean um right you get, you're getting salties all the way up into the gorge now on the reef yeah absolutely yep they, they they've got to take them out of the gorge they, they basically don't let anyone swim in there after each wet season they need to uh they need time to go spotlighting and put um put crop floats out and that sort of stuff and harpoon them or trap them and until they're you know it takes them a while until they're they're satisfied that it's safe for safe for swimming again but yeah right even then i'd i'd still be a bit hairy about swimming in the catherine gorge there's a lot of water in there and they yeah. do still move you know it's not like the river stops flowing mm. I must admit, um, I, I spent a bit, uh, not long, I was there for my honeymoon in Kununurra, but went went um, went heli fishing and went, you know, quite a lot. I don't, yeah, I can't remember the name of the river. I really can't. I wish I could. But it was, you know, I can remember we were in the helicopter going over, like, waterfalls, you know, like 30, 40-foot waterfalls. There were cliffs and stuff and up over the top of those. Huge saltwater crocs, like, you know, five-metre five meter animals, like massive, you know. Um, yeah. It was a, a blowout at how i mean this is seemingly i mean the water was running there's waterfalls and stuff like that but the water was moving that slow in the deeper waters that it looked still but it was super fresh super duper fresh you know pandanus up against the water all that sort of stuff and just yeah miles away from salt and just and just you know you hear that wives tale of crocs not climbing i'm sure they don't climb but i'm sure they go real wide around those waterfalls up in the, in the bush to get upstream you know I, yeah. I can't imagine can't imagine climbing a, a sheer waterfall at all, but um, you know, it, just to pull you up here, there's this page on Facebook called "I Love Crocodiles," and someone had a had some um, had a photo from the Kimberleys of a of a crocodile that had scaled straight up. It was um, it was about a three meter croc scaled a six six foot waterfall. You know who'd know it? Neil, Neil Harding. He's all over that shit. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, but it's gone. It's gone up that. I don't think that. You know that like there'd have to be you know certain caveats like you know there'd be toe holds for them or or you know it'd be a certain size crop like a real big one probably couldn't do it because they'd you know be too heavy or or whatever they might use a bit of propulsion from their tail if, who knows but yeah but 30 and 40 foot i mean that's ridiculous so you'd think you'd assume you were safe if you were that mm. high above the river yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah you're What's going, that, mate? Sorry, you're. Uh, you, you go, mate. You're right. Well, I was going to say, I've, I've heard a, I've heard a, a couple of people say now a little saying. If you, if you know, if there's, if there's barra and tarp on, in the water, there's, there, there could be salties there. You know, like, if, mm. I've heard if the, the same thing about barra. If the barra can get there, the crocodiles can get their piece of piss. Yeah, uh -huh. right. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. And, and what about lagoons, mate? Do you, do you get into that? classic sort of Territorian, you know, um, Yellow Waters, Corroboree, Shady, well, not Shady Camp, but, you know, those sort of billabongs type. Yeah. 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 I love I love those billabongs. They're, um, I don't fish them too much in the dry season. I don't like getting up and actually being cold when I'm driving the boat down them in the morning, um, you know, yeah. a freezing cold 18-degree morning. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the build-up time, I, I fish the billabongs a little bit. It's, just heaps of fun mate it's um you know you can really you can lose yourself in that sort of around dawn time 
casting flies in lily pad pockets and up against the pandanus and you know just just sort of you forget everything everything's really quiet there's mist rising up off the billabong and you know birds getting around it's just a nice place and you know plenty of fish in there plenty of barrows like plenty, plenty of togas i was gonna say it looks like a great place for those arowana right arowana <laughs> jardini <laughs> the superior toga oh yeah i i'm no i'm not aware of that actually yeah. yeah, I I haven't I haven't caught a um a Lycardi, so I can't comment. I I probably shouldn't hang so much shit on him. Well, I, I said one a, thing. I haven't caught I a Jardini, thing, mate. mate. Hey, Christopher Heath, have I? Um, I wanted to one day. Then uh, Christopher Heath's um, boat trailer maintenance put a put a um put the kibosh on that. Hard yeah. to go toga fishing when the wheel falls off, right? <laughs> Shout out to Chris. See, I haven't caught one either, man. I'd like to. That's for sure. I just uh. Yeah, they just look like wuss girls to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That's not I, a nice I, thing to say. I think they're pretty. They're and they're aggressive too. You know, like they're. You you talk about how toga down there can be pretty hard. Like when when toga up here get hard, it's all about fishing subsurface. You know, and and still getting bites. It's not. Um, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's days when they they genuinely are hard, but that's pretty rare on the the waterways up here. They're, they're usually usually pretty keen to eat a fly, eh? The old toga. Look, yeah, it, 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 with the with the the southern species of the Lycardi, it's 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 not. Look, they can be hard, but we talk about areas that on this podcast that we fish that are highly pressured. You know, like they're just seeing people all day, every day, and and every single lure or fly that's known to man with some very good fishermen, and they learn very fast. Um, yeah, there's, there's places I've fished for, for Lycardis, um in central Queensland in, on private properties that um, that are owned by by guys that are, or families or the, the oldest gentleman there is, you know, descended from the from the person who owned that property since Federation. And and they've talked about no one ever fishing those waterholes, you know, at all, um, ever, you know, and um, I've, I was telling Volton, mate. I tell you what, listeners, believe it or not, I don't, I don't care. But um, there, there's been times where I've, I've pulled my fly out of the water to recast and had Toga jump out of the water and grab the fly. Like it's, they can be, they can be incredibly. Um, it's chalking. It's almost like a different species compared to where where we fish. You know, like they can be super aggressive and um, and just keen to eat. That's for sure. And in that particular situation, I remember the first one I saw was nudging its nose up against the um the electric uh, motor like uh we had a transfer motor on like uh we had a little polycraft you just jump jump dump over the bank obviously oh, no yeah. boat ramp there um, so a little yeah a little, little polygraph a little two meter polycraft and it was um just a little transfer mount electric motor on there and i could stand up on the front bench seat and see the motor and uh, the toga was had its little meat goatee poking out of the prop and i just lobbed a fly into it and it just ate it straight away you know that's that's the sort of thing that you would Never see in a hundred years at um, at our local lake ever, ever. You just wouldn't see it. So, you know, they've got the ability to to adapt to very quickly to different scenarios. Even the way that you're fishing, you're talking about those Jardini in, in the corroboree, like you're in a tough you fish sinking lines. I hear of people that that target the fish in the lakes that we fish for them at six seven meters deep. You know, that's that's how they know to catch them. You know, yeah, that's, wow. That's the only way they know how to catch them. Like, you know, the, the Jardini, sorry, the Lycardi down here, to hear people call, say they're synonymous with, with poppers, 
I see people catching with poppers. I'm like, oh wow, that's that's pretty amazing, you know. Whereas they think they think toga, they think top water. Um, you know, they can be like that in some of the wild rivers for sure. I've seen them eat top water all day like that, middle of the, middle of the day, full sun, uh, open water, but mm. not 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 where we fish from at all. Yeah, you know? make, it make that makes sense. I guess yeah. I guess we're we're, we're pretty lucky um, pressure wise up here. You know, there's we've got a lot of a lot of fishermen per capita, but you know, not a great deal of them really go out and do that sort of stuff. They're, they're, like I mean, Quabbery gets a Quabbery gets a fair hammering. There's a lot of boats that fish Quabbery, a lot of guide boats during the dry season, that sort of stuff. Um, mm. But Quabbery's one one billabong in you know thousands of billabongs up here. It's mm. it's the biggest. It's easily accessible and it's um it's really pretty or one of the biggest I should say. It's um. But there's 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 so much untouched water. One of the one of the trips we like doing, well, we, we didn't do it this year, um, didn't get there. But most years we try and get out to some little sneaky billabongs in Kakadu. Um, you know, fair bit of bushwhacking to get there and pulling boats through tiny little tracks and you know pushing over trees to get into these places. And some of these some of these billabongs, you know, wouldn't see a fisherman all year. You know, and maybe if they've seen a fisherman in the year, it was probably us. You know, mm-hmm. um, and the fishing in there can be can be stupid. Same thing with um, with fish following. You know, the prop spinning behind the uh, behind the boat when you're moving along on the uh, the electric. You know, the, the the shiny prop just turning in the water, turning around, and there's like a barra following it or a toga following the boat. So, yeah, we're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's there's places like that. That's for sure. I guess um, uh, I, I don't want to make it sound like a copy. I guess if we there's just there's just a lot a, a lot of people that have got access to to um, very specific areas at this part in this part of the world where we are. I guess you could say, you know, yeah. Um, you can't you can't be lazy in your like you 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 couldn't fish corroboree if it was in southeast Queensland. Let's put it that way. I mean, people do, and that's the reason why it's tough. But you got to be a lot more creative and a lot lot cagier this day this day and age. It's really the only way you can sort of have a fishery to work out, you know. Um, yeah, it's an ant that, farm down there. That's for sure. 100 oh, percent. It's crazy. It is. It's really wild. I re- yeah, it's hard to explain to a lot of people. It really is. I really sound like woe is me right now. But um, <laughs> it's just it's an interesting thing to observe over, over a pretty short period of time. You know how how the fish have adapted and how anglers have adapted. Uh, access to information technology through the roof you know it's crazy it really is they really don't, fish don't stand a chance they really don't yeah i sort of started to notice a little bit of um a little bit of pressure on some of the more well-known barra schools around or fairly close to darwin um since since everyone's cottoned on to to live scope up here and i'll just state this right now on the podcast i'm not against live scope Mm-hmm. I just can't afford it. Um, simple <laughs> as that. <laughs> it's, fu- it's funny you should say, it, man. We we said that exact same thing in the intro. It's uh, it's odd that you said that because, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, I've um, I've been back to a couple of my 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 haunts where I've been trying to catch a, a meter plus salty barra on fly, and um, you know, I, I, the last few years though, these these fish. It's a really well-known spot, really well-known school of fish. They're they're pretty much always there. You know, the build-up time's a great time to fish for them. You know, they're active and all the rest. But progressively, they get harder and harder each year. And 
I thought I found this silver bullet, and I was throwing flies at them, and um, they responded really well. Like the first couple of times I went there and threw flies, they ate the shit out of them, um, mm. and it was heaps of fun. But this year I've gone back, and and I know they've had a lot of live scope pressure, and I've I've watched these fish on my sound scan side scan just actively move when I when I find them and position my boat. Um, like I, I could just be could just be you know running my mouth blaming side scan but i've i've got a i've got a pretty strong feeling that it's um the side scan fisherman pressure that these fish are just totally wised up to to the sound of electric motors and um and you know hull slap and all the rest and they they're they're associating it with getting hammered with lures hey and Mm. there's a good chance that probably most of those fish in the school have been caught in the last 12 months as well so that makes it hard but I mean, there is that pressure, especially for fish close to close to home and close to boat ramps and and well known well known fish. I I I don't really know how to get around that. Like, well, once yeah. they're learned, that they, they you know they can't be unlearned, really. I suppose. And I guess you're in a unique you're in a you're in a little bit of a unique position, I suppose, but given your occupation. Do you want to tell people what that is before I ask questions about it? What do you do for a living? Uh yeah, I'm I'm broodstock manager for a um for a barramundi farm up here so i work in a barramundi hatchery so do you see do you see behavioral changes in those in those fish that you you manage with like you know to the way you interact with them oh absolutely they're smart as um you know we can we get wild fish in um fairly often like we've we've got our own genetic program going at the moment but um it, that genetic program's still open, so we're look, still looking for um for for founding broodstocks, which means we get to go out and get paid to go fishing, um and collect fish from the wild, which is awesome. Nothing better than drinking beers, catching barrows, and getting paid for it. But um, but yeah, like those those wild fish, it 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 takes them a week and a half to figure out that you're friendly and you bring them food. Like that's it, a week and a half. It's not long. And that's, that's coming from a totally different environment. You know, these fish are getting pulled out of um, oftentimes quite dirty water. Um, you know, they've got um, a lot more space between them. They, they're, they're getting pulled out and put into, you know, small tanks, ultra clean water, like gin clear water, super mm. filtered. Um, so it's a totally different environment for these fish and they're, they're, they're getting shifted onto a different diet almost immediately and it takes them takes them a week and a half and they're, they're your best friend you know you, you you walk past the tank and they're they're trying to buff your hand so they're yeah. they're really cluey man they'll they it, yeah they're really well, really smart you just remind me of something now i i um i don't work with horses but i have watched yellowstone so i'm kind of an expert but um so but i've noticed that uh they talk about it like that on 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 that that show <laughs> i don't know how accurate that is but like it might be super accurate i imagine they'd have to be for the popularity of the show but they talk about you know bringing in like a, a brumby or some sort of wild horse and and breaking it, it taking about a week to, to break it you know it's uh and you're talking about the same sort of time frame for a barra like essentially you're, bro- you're breaking that barra to become you know okay and not stressed out to be with you essentially it's a different totally different thing you're not going to ride it i get it but you're sort of looking at similarities of, of intelligence of a, of a of between a horse and a, a fish you know if you, you could probably draw some sort of parallel there there may be people going oh come on but i mean there's probably a lot more different animals you could compare to that but it just i'm just saying it reminded me 
of hearing people talk about breaking in wild horses, you know, like it's a, you know, a week, week and a half sort of thing. Um, and, you know, keep in mind, like I have seen every, every episode of Yellowstone. So I, I am, I am an expert really. Yeah. The yeah you're, you're on the money. Absolutely. Yeah. Horses and, and barramundi are like pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Well, I've heard people say, well, that thing's a horse of a barra, you know, and, um, <laughs> You know, like that thing's a horse. You know, I'm like, I know where I know where that saying's come from now. Yeah, I I, I guess so, mate. Yeah, you could draw some parallels there. Yep. Well, my point it, is, without being mind. silly, yeah. I, obviously, I'm being silly, but I mean, but I am I am being legit in regards to a wild animal essentially being put into captivity, and um and coming around within a very short period of time, because it you know instinctually, I mean, it's it's learnt. It's learned it's not it's safe and it's learned where its food comes from and uh, it's probably picking the path of least resistance. It's going to do the same thing in the water in reverse, I suppose. You know, like it's uh, you know, like it's it's realised it's not safe there and the noise associated with danger, um, and it's just getting the hell out of there. You know, it's not going to take long for it to learn that. I would imagine there's some sort of signature they could possibly pick up with the noise from from sight image or even um, live scope. You know, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a fish, and I don't know how to talk to them. But you know, like there's there's arguments that you know the sounders, whether it's traditional cone sight image or even live scope, do make noise that can uh, that fish can pick up on. I mean, a lot of people have seen them move, arguably from motors and and boat noise, but you see them move from from sounder signals as well. From that people say, I've mm -hmm. seen the adversity. You talk about bass in in dams. Bass will will congregate under your boat, and and if you you know. I was, you could say that once you turn the sounder off that they, they spread out, but then how would you know? But the one thing's for sure that they do send it, do tend to hang around your boat, you know, whether you move, like the wind will blow you off course from where you found them and they'll still be under your boat, you know? it's um, yeah. So you got to wonder what's keeping them under your boat. It's, it's probably not the shade, you know? Yeah, no, like I, I've got no doubt that fish can hear um hear the, the, the ping from a sounder. Like, you know, some of the, some of the really, really good... um old guides up here that um, used to specialise in big barras um, before Benny come along and kicked them off their perch. He, um, they used to, um, you know, some of these guys would swear, they'd go into these coastal creeks to fish for big barras and they'd turn their sander off as soon as they got in there. They didn't they didn't need it anyway, um, but they'd turn it off. Like, and they were all about being, like, deathly quiet. Um, and, and these guys would, would just catch the shit out of them you know they were they were the they were the guns back in the day so i mean it's probably there's probably a fair bit of truth in it and fish are mm. smart like they're i've said it before but and barramundi are super duper adaptable like they have to be they live in a wide variety of environments um and their environment can change really really quickly in the wild um you know so they're super adaptable and like i i swear that the my fish know you know the sound of me walking up the stairs um up beside the tank to feed them versus someone else you know and i know that sounds that's probably sounds crazy but i reckon it's um i reckon there's something in it they're 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 clever they can hear me walking on the um you know on the on the 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 walkways around the tanks and they know it's me they're all wait they're all lined up and waiting at the doors and I, I don't reckon they know which day it is. I, I, I don't think they're associating that, you know, Wednesday's feed day or whatever. But um, yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty cluey. Do you think it's your footsteps, or do you think it's the boomerang on your face? Oh, could be, mate. They can't see me until I open the door, though. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, you could be there could be some like vibrations in the air coming off. They could feel on their lateral line just from, you know, I don't know. Who knows? You'd have to talk to them and ask them, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, look, Millsy, um, I think we've explored um, Darwin and the surrounding areas. We know it's a, a harsh, tough environment that makes you work for your fish unless you're in high-vis trolling, uh, trolling uh, RMG lures around uh, with a esky full of beers, right? Yeah, you're pretty much spot on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's, I mean, that still sounds cool. I'd like to spend a Sunday doing that, you know. It's uh, bloody, it's a lot more it's relaxing a, than fly fishing. It's a great way to get um, sunburned hungover. Mm-hmm. Yep, great way to feel sick on Monday morning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, Millsy, we re- like we better bail, mate. Um. Oh, actually, unless you've got something extra you wanted to say, Volts, I should shouldn't have cut you off there, mate. My apologies. Uh, a real example of my unprofessionalism. Uh, you there, Volts? Yeah, I had. I, I got nothing, man. No, it's good. Well, we might we might put a ribbon on this, hey? I think we and should put it under the tree. And uh, can, can, I, can I say it? Oh, Jack, oh. you beat me to it. Don't worry about no, it. No, no, no. Chris, Chris can edit it out. All right. I've, I've edited oh. it out. Just consider it edited out. Yeah, okay. you don't edit shit, mate. All right, hang on a sec. Let me, no, I will. No, no, let me set this up, okay? All right, we might um, we might get out of here. Uh, I can't think of any other way to put it. Can anyone else? Yeah, mate. Let's wrap this up. Oh, come on. I'm going to edit that out. Oh, I'm going to give you another chance. Now, just hang on to it, mate. Keep that energy. Keep that energy, okay? Nothing's getting edited out, but, yeah, let's wrap this no, up. No, it is. Up. It is. I promise, man. Like, we, we, are, we, we take the show that seriously that there is no point in having this fluff in there, mate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit this out now. Uh, I'm going to go. Just give me a second so I know where to edit it. It's all filler, no killer, mate. No, no, no. <laughs> you, you're ruining it. I'm not going to know where to stop. Just give me a second. Just have silence for a second. Okay, we already say we uh we get out of here. I can't think of any other way to word this. Can anyone else? Yeah, mate. Let's wrap this puppy up. Oh, well said, mate. Yeah, well, well said. said. Yep. Yeah, well said. Just perfect timing. I think he forgot to put a ribbon on it. I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's always that one kid, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Millsy, eh? Yeah, mate. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually Batesy this time. It's Volty. Uh, <laughs> same, same, right. same, same genetics. Same genetics, very different haircut. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get out of here. Thanks again, Millsy. Really appreciate it, dude. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it's been an honour. It's been an honour, Jeff. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'll see you online. Chris and I are going to do our, um, our outro. and then. Um, but, yeah, well, let's catch up. Let's don't be strangers, man. I know we're not, but, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we're just, I'm just going to end this recording and you guys can get to know each other off air a bit better. There we go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hooray. All right. Hey, buddy. Have a good sleep. Well, folks, welcome back to the uh, fast-sinking outro line thing, jig me, late, talk, not well stuff. 
<laughs> God, you're man, right. I we got to start doing these things in the morning. It's uh, way more peppier. <laughs> you always know when something um, is, you know, enjoyable or going well as you look down at the clock and, holy shit, you know, that's blowing out the time budget. Um, did, you did know, and Yossi. Yeah, he's, he was great to chat with, eh? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, I, I was looking at the maps the whole time, and then when I switched it back, I was like, holy shit, it's an hour and 20. That's that's a that's a big show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone with a mustache like that, I was surprised he could talk for that long, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it went longer than the movie Super Troopers. You know? <laughs> yeah. I want a mustache, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty good, mate. We didn't even get to talk about his job as an Uber driver or anything. <laughs> you know, I was just so enamored by the, the fishing talk that we didn't even get to talk about, you know, like, even to touch on, like, uh, his entertainment industry work or or his um, short stint with Paris Hilton or anything like that. One night in Paris. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, man, that dude's got... Imagine sitting around the campfire with that dude and all those stories he's got to tell that aren't even fishing-related. You know, if we were just doing like a blokes podcast, man, the Millsy would be Millsy be a great guest. We kind of yeah. we kind of let it down, didn't we? I suppose. Yeah, Rob Mills. about stupid fishing. Mm. He was good. Yeah. He's good. He's his good. His biggest his biggest worry was us talking about that bloody toothbrush. <laughs> I thought he had a pretty good argument, don't you? Well, I don't hold it against him. You know, mate, the tables are really turned on that. That's Batesy's silver silver bullet on Millsy. You know, did you like he loves going? Hey, did you know that he found a toothbrush and he used that toothbrush? And when you put it into context like that, it sounds pretty gross. But when you talk about a look dude at the yeah, well, yeah, you talk about a dude who's like, oh, I'm facing six days at sea without brushing my teeth. There's a toothbrush. I've got bleach. I could disinfect that thing, and it'd be probably cleaner than brand new. What? Look at me now. Look at me now, Batesy. Look at you with your gutter mouth. You know? Yeah, and your festering teeth. Yeah, yeah. mate, you, you, yeah. you'd be you'd be more dangerous than a goanna to get bitten by right now. <laughs> 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 You're a fucking reptile. Yeah, well, good on them. Great mates, yeah. by the way, both of them. Yeah, <laughs> they love each other. Yeah, but, um, something we didn't really get to delve into, anyways. No, they they did have a a, a, a quick relationship, right? <laughs> I think that was uh, thwarted by Ben Carroll at one stage, right? Is that right, dude? Hey, um, what's what? Uh, what did you learn about Darwin fishing in that, mate? So, um, 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 I don't know much about it, really. I don't didn't learn anything more other than it's just a, a another high populated area that requires a lot of working out, but um. I'd be interested to come back to this and talk to Millsy, um, you know, as this evolving fishery, you know, starts to unfold, you know, and yeah. and those who are, are familiar with Darwin and are hearing this right now go, what are you talking about evolving fishery, mate? We've been we've been fishing since before high vis, and that's I know that people have been fishing Darwin for a fucking long time, and I know that people have caught permit, seen permit there, and and Millsy's, you know, like relatively new. To the scene, even though you know he's 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 born in Catherine, you know, like it's a, uh, I get all that, but you know it's not it's not exactly public knowledge, you know, it's it's not seen as a permit destination. I think they're there, and I think that um, I 
I don't know. Like it's it's different, mate. I, I I wonder if someone was a permit fisherman, was living in Darwin and was forced to fish it for permit, what that would be like. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Be bringing their um, experiences and learnings from elsewhere into it. Yeah, know, trying to that probably put pieces of the puzzle together and you know with their help. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see where we're at. But like it's, you said, it, it's an evolution. Yeah, well, uh, and, like, it does sound like we're saying that, like, no one up there is smart enough to work them out themselves. I'm definitely not saying that at all. It just seems like it's an it, – with the size of the tides and the small windows to fish for flats, it looks like an easy place to just morph into, you know, fish and drains for Barra, you know, and, and you know, yeah. instead of concentrating on it. Like, if someone was just dead set on a mission to, to, to work those flats out and stuff, you'd probably only have a week, a month, you know, to, to, to muck around with it or probably – well, yeah, a week's worth of days in a month, I should say, not a week back to back. But uh, going by the size of those ties, by the sounds of it, it's just—it's just got to. It's just—it doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't be there. You know, everything's—everything's everything's there. Yeah, you're right. You're mm. right. I guess it comes down to water clarity, whatever opportunity, and those windows where you learn, like you got to be Johnny on the spot. Yeah, because, because of that water movement and clarity, and the the, the actual. Visibility windows are so small; it take a long time to put all those pieces together. So, yeah, man. Well, we kind of got to do that here too. Really, at the end of the day, you know. Yeah, that's you know the challenges I mean? that face those high energy fisheries. Yeah, you got know? mm. to got to be prepared to find what adds up to proven fruitful times during the week. Um, <laughs> ideally, not Monday or Friday. Leaves you Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's, it's not a not a very big window, that's for sure tough yeah, yeah man it's tough mate it's tough it's very tough but anyway what did you learn about darwin mate what did you take away from that uh well i learned if, you know i was interested to hear about tuskies um um fished darwin harbour a couple of times with with local guys un, unguided um you know it was um like like rob alluded to there's um lots of you know dirty water to contend with um and it's rapidly changing because of the water heights and the the tidal variation that's that's how it is so mm. yeah so what did i learn um you know i learned just got to spend more time you know looking for the looking for the cheese so to speak so mm. Mm. yeah look it sounds like the like a you know it gets a it gets a lot of a lot of attention for the barra you know a lot of attention from the barra and it's probably you know, when you speak to Waddy, you know, like when we spoke to Benny, like it was, um, it was, it was pretty barra-centric about that as well, really. We, we, just, I mean, but that's what Benny does. He, you know, he specialises in big barra, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and you know, Waddy will be probably a bit more, bit more diverse in his species, although you know he's very barra-centric as well. I mean, it's, it, they're kind of governed by their, what their clients want to do, really. At the end of the day, so that's why I was kind of interested to talk to to Millsy or, or a local there that's not running a guiding operation or anything like that there to sort of get the perspective of someone who can fish who lives there you know yeah who fishes for fun yeah yeah, yeah. what do, what do they do what did what what's darwin darwin like for the for the wreck fisher mm, sure yeah or the wreck fly fisher i should say really yeah yeah it was a good um it's good perspective that's for sure mm. all right so well, look mate we got we got one more show left for this year yep i'm looking forward to it as well it's cool it should be a good one we don't know what we're going to do yet or who we're going to have on, but I'm, we will try and make it the the most memorable one we've had all year. It might, 
we can guarantee one thing: it'll be the last one this year. Yeah. <laughs> what we what we what we should do is try and figure it out. Time to do it when it's um uh, earlier, when we're we're a bit more zippy instead of close, like you know, touching on midnight. Yeah, that's what we it's should mid- do. Midnight in New South Wales right now. It's past midnight now. Shit, man. All right, let's like go. Midnight then. midnight radio. Well, hang on, mate. Maybe they word it like that, eh? You know, I get I get letters from people inquiring about you know you know further to what you say when you say that stuff, and I'm not. It creeps me out. I don't know what to say, buddy. Just tell how about, them, tell how about you say you go to bed and I will go to bed in my own bed with my wife in a different house. Okay, just oh, to be clear. I, I would hate to think that anyone would assume otherwise, mate. What, people do, happen? mate. You don't know what you don't know what people take if you're not if you're not there to help explain and, and hold their hand through what's actually happening, their mind runs wild, mate. I keep getting letters and really? I don't like it. Well, I'm sorry, buddy. Address your letters to 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 Volty Fishing, Volty underscore Fishing, and um, and leave me alone. Yeah, leave Chris alone. He's got enough issues. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Volts, mate. Another stellar show, mate. Well done. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, getting involved and and mixing it up there with Millsy, mate. Oh yeah, and it was I'm... so good. I appreciate it. There's, there's a couple of gaps you left for me in there. It was good, and. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I tried to exploit them the best as we could. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. All right, buddy. Let's go. All right, let's go. No, no, don't say it like that. We're gonna get off the podcast. Maybe. Oh, dude, I just want to go, man. Let's go. Let's <laughs> hang up. All right, mate. I'll talk to you. Later. <laughs> See you, mate.